0: back to the liberty blues i'm sean osborne and today i'm joined by james Seniac. how's it going good yourself pretty good pretty good so uh you're running for senate in indiana um you want to tell us about uh maybe like uh, are you a longtime libertarian or are you new to the new to it i uh am a small l for a while
1: gary johnson really convinced me back when he was running and i followed the party for a while even before that But he was the one that made me jump on board as far as voting. And then I joined the party during the rainwater race uh, for governor a couple years ago as a lifetime member. So it's been a couple years as a lifetime member, but um, I followed the party for a while. Uh,
0: Yeah, that was a great uh, run for governor he had. Absolutely. Yeah. So what what uh, what really got you fired up to, to run for Senate?
1: So a couple of things. Uh, The first, I wanted someone at the top of the ticket to represent what I believe is libertarian values. And at the time, uh, there's some, there's not any announced candidates that I felt like represented the libertarian party. Uh So I was looking at how could we do that better? And following the rainwater race, I wanted someone to be able to represent it well. And then I also look at like examples like Spike, who really had a heart for politics and i also have a heart for people and he showed that on the national level and i believe that that was something i could bring to the indiana level so both of those influenced my senate run and uh from there just kind of took off
0: yeah that's great yeah spike's uh spike's a hell of a libertarian I, I was lucky enough to meet him uh in Visalia last year at the libertarian convention in california uh are you going to the national convention this year
1: I am not currently. That may change. Um, if I get sponsored to go, I may, uh-huh. but at this point, I want my focus to be on Indiana and Hoosier voters. So I have a great team. They could do the work when I'm gone, but I'd rather just keep my focus here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You got to focus on the local. So what are what are your big uh, messages you want to get out there to Hoosiers? Yeah. So I
1: have three main points that I've been running on. And the one is the medical freedom. And that aspect is the idea that politicians should not act as physicians and uh it's a big pushback especially when it comes to federal mandates on the vaccines and we saw some of that go to the court system but politicians aren't going to stop and trying to control our health choices so when i look at any pill bottle in your uh pill cabinet you'll see on it side effects and those side effects are individual potential consequences of taking whatever medication you want to take so that decision needs to absolutely only be yours and with the guidance of your local physician, who knows you well, politicians need to stay out of that. And so that's the first policy I'm running on. So I want to create a medical freedom act. And it's that's the second one. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that is very relevant. And I think it's going to resonate with Hoosiers. The yeah. second one actually started when I first announced I was working at a bar, um, bartending and a, v- a veteran came in and he goes, so I heard you announced, what are you going to do for me? And I said, well, you know, we're very pro 2A. We, uh, you know, we want to help you guys in any way we can. But he's like, no, what are you going to do to help me? And so I go, okay, I'm all ears. What can I do for you? And so he goes, the VA system is absolutely horrible here. It's an inconvenient location. It's not serving me well. And I said, okay, well, let's look at some ideas to fix this. So through that conversation and conversations with my team, I came up with a vet care, program and the vet care program works similar to a health savings account but it's a veterans personal care account and what it does is it takes that wasteful intrusive spending of the VA and redirects it sideways to go to directly to the health of the uh, veteran and they can use that in uh, you know whether it's mental health whether it's uh, physical health and it's also gives them the medical freedom that they deserve they fought for course overseas, we can trust them with their own medical care and their own medical decisions. So they can go to whatever physician uh, best meets their needs, and they can go to whatever location is most convenient for them. So that was the second platform I'm running on. And as as I've taken it uh, all over the state, veterans have come up to me and said, thank you. This is what we need. So I think that's another one that's going to really resonate with Hoosier voters. And then the third plan that I want to take is (laughs) fiscal sanity. And right now, Our politicians are not representing us. We're at an all-time high inflation rate of 8.5%. And this is something that is, again, it's a tabletop issue that we can talk about and we can come up with easy solutions that are very libertarian, uh, whether it's the Cato 6.2% plan or something similar to the penny plan where we can reduce waste on the federal level and ultimately uh, reduce taxes, but additionally get um, more innovation and more, money responsibility in washington dc
0: yeah because there's definitely absolutely none of that these days
1: (laughs) no and currently the incumbent that i'm running against he's a republican by the way and he will run on fiscal responsibility but funny thing is is if you look at his (laughs) record he's the second worst deficit spender in washington dc so uh it's an easy point to bring up and when i show people his record they can't believe it and it's something that I feel Hoosiers are actually really upset at right now.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm way out in California. So, so who is it you're running
1: against? Todd Young. Uh, he's the Republican incumbent.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And how long has he been there? Uh, he's only this is only his first term, but he's also been in Congress. And so the combination of his record from Congress and Senate is absolutely ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yes, indeed. And, you know, I can I can totally feel where you come from on the medical freedom thing. You know, I'm, I'm out here in Los Angeles and we live under what the city council's done out here. Um, we need more people at the federal level to stand up. But, man, you know, someplace like out here in California, it's just it's hard to fight back against the uh, that blue wave of ignorance out yep. here. So and at least you're lucky. Uh, Indiana hasn't been hammered like us. But, you know, you're, you're right. Just the fact that they think that they can. Uh, talk people or force people, talk them into it, force them into, you know, taking vaccines, you know, like a one size fits all kind of medicine. You know, I, I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 51. And I remember when I was younger, they always said go for a second opinion when it come, came to medicine and we weren't allowed any second opinion.
1: Exactly. Um, second opinions are very important. The fact that it was a unilateral decision uh, by, you know, whether it's Fauci or whoever was making those unilateral decisions, It was absolutely ridiculous. And in California, you guys had one of the most restrictive states. And it's showing how much power the government will take when when it's given an opportunity. So Mm -hmm. I think that we really need to step up and stand up. And even if we're saying, "Okay, well, it's kind of over. They've stepped back. No, they're going to keep doing this as long as we don't fight back on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you got to push back or they'll just, they'll keep bulldozing. I mean, California's a perfect example. And a lot of the people out here are just, you know, willfully ignorant uh, of everything. You know, they, they like to throw their progressive weight around and, you know, virtue signal to the rest of the country while, you know, our death rates are worse than Florida's. So, you know, it's, it's really amazing. What about, um, so you're saying like with the vets, what, what, what was part of that plan you want to do to, to help out the vets? Cause I have heard Indiana has something different. So there's something written into the Indiana constitution about the VA or something like that. If I, if I'm not mistaken, but like, what, what do you want to do for the vets nationally? Well, so,
1: yeah. So this would be on the federal level. Um, yeah. But the idea is, is that we can eliminate the overhead cost of the VA system entirely. So, we can eliminate the buildings we can eliminate the idea because when we give them the free market for medical care they're going to get the same or better care oh, okay uh, rather than the weight lines of the va okay and so so that money though is directed towards them through two different programs and the first one's the veterans personal care account which i mentioned a little bit earlier that works similar to a health savings account but the second part of that plan is uh, for long-term issues and all that would need to be done for those funds to come to them is one paper by their doctor submitting a form of need or a form of care and then they can get that long term medical care um, money aspect so that so the two parts there's two parts to it but ultimately it'll get better care f- for them and uh, need, it takes a lot of the red tape a lot of the weight lines down and um, I think it'll serve them better in the long run.
0: Yeah, I, I understand. I, did, I didn't catch the part about getting rid of the, the building, so you could go right straight into in, into the free market and let right. them spend their money where where they see fit, and yeah. uh, you know pick out pick and choose. I, I, I want to think. Doesn't Indiana in the Indiana school or I don't know? It might be in. I wish uh, the co-hosts were on here because they we're from Tippecanoe County, and they I think they have something similar in that around around town there where they have uh, they're trying to push the money to the to the student. And the student goes to whichever school they want. So it'd be kind of similar
1: to that kind of Right. And uh, that's with that's the school choice, um, they were trying to push kind of with the voucher idea, uh, money follows the student instead of follows the school. So whatever property tax you're paying into that education, it would follow the student. But uh, there's been a lot of work on that behind the scenes. It hasn't really come into actual legislation yet,
0: but. Mm-hmm. What about, what about, uh, Second Amendment, you want to talk a little bit about because I know that was, that was one of Donald Rainwater's big things was uh, the Second Amendment, you know, what uh, open carry and everything like that.
1: Yeah. So, awesomely, uh, Indiana just passed a uh, constitutional carry. So, oh, I'm cute. Okay. H- yep. And Governor Holcomb did sign it after I think it was on his desk for seven or eight days. And everyone's like, why is he just not signing it? It makes sense as a Republican. You know, these are things you guys run on. Why are you not passing it? So it made it to his desk, had a little bit of a wait, but he did sign it. I think it was yesterday. Maybe it was this morning even that he signed that. And so I believe even on the federal level, constitutional carry is how our forefathers designed it. And when they said, shall not be infringed, I believe they meant it to be, shall not infringed.
0: Yeah, that's my key part too. (laughs) Yeah,
1: And so uh, our forefathers were geniuses and they they designed a lot of checks and balances and part of that checks and balances that people don't talk about is actually the people and it's an armed citizens that are part of that checked checks and balances. So trying to restrict what we can get as citizens reduces that checks and balances.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, yeah. You know, again, out here, you know, it's a, it's a pain in the ass to get any, uh any, protection for yourself you know uh they they don't make it easy and you know crime's crazy out here so there that is (laughs) i would i
1: would never want to live in california just because (laughs) of how restrictive it is
0: (laughs) you know i i I must just love fighting because i just i I love california but i hate the politics (laughs) you know it's just it's it's really it's really bad you know i mean the weather and the beaches are great out there i I
1: love Uh, love visiting out there oh the weather and the beaches are great out there i love visiting but (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah the, the the libertarian party of los, of los angeles county is great too you know it's i think it's i believe it's the largest in the in the nation cool. uh so the libertarians that, that's, that's in
1: california kind of have grown quite a bit haven't they i i've
0: been kind of following a little bit yeah we are, we went up a bit we california is technically its own region so that that's that's pretty good awesome yeah yeah i'm really uh I'm really looking forward to the national convention. This will be my first national convention. So that I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm a, I'm a delegate for that. Awesome. So there's a, well, there's a lot
1: happening on the national level that <laughs> is interesting to follow as well.
0: Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> well, let me take a break and come back and let's talk about some other stuff then. <laughs> All right, everybody, I've got a new album coming out on April 15th. The title is Free People. There's a very special track on there, though. It's called Take Human Action. It's a rework of the old folk tune, The Worried Man Blues. I turned it into Take Human Action, and I want to donate all the royalties to the Mises Caucus. So the more you listen, the more you give. It's a great way to give without spending a dime. I also invited a lot of the Mecocks from the Facebook group and a few other that I knew uh, to send in some tracks. So it's a group event, and there's several people playing on it. We had a big libertarian nanny. So please listen to it on April 15th, and listen often and give to the Mises Caucus. Thank you very much, and back to the show. All right. We're back. So talking about conventions, you just, so you, you went to the Indiana convention. How was that? Is this your first, second, third, or how many you've been to? This is my second
1: convention. Uh, the first one I went more as, um just to observe how they run and how the inner workings work. And it was a great experience. I enjoyed that whole process. I enjoyed the learning aspect of it. And then, and this time, um, I was obviously running as a candidate. So completely different experience. I was on business the whole time. So uh, part of the, you know, the fun aspect, I I didn't get to enjoy as much until Saturday night, but it was, it was a great experience and Indiana runs our conventions really well. They run it very fair and the process allows for everybody to have a voice at the convention. And I think we have less conflicts between even caucuses because we're so willing to work together as a state to accomplish our goals. So I think Indiana is an example to the rest of the nation of how to do conventions correctly. And Evan McMahon's part of that. Uh, he's done really well in, uh, as chair, but there's also a lot of other great leaders that have really stepped up and laid the foundation for how a good convention should be run.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Indiana, seems like you guys got no drama with uh, between the caucuses, which is, which is what we need uh, more people who are willing to work with others who fight for liberty so i mean i really appreciate that i had evan on last year the year before and we were talking about that then i think he i think he's a he's a good chair he he does a good job over there
1: i think we try to look for common goals and yes there's gonna be differences but if we can agree on point a b and c let's argue about d e and f you know over a cup of coffee or a bourbon or whatever and yeah. we can come back together and still uh, agree on a b and c and fight for that and i think that's what we do in indiana we get our priorities correct so yeah again that's nice.
0: i think it's an example to the rest of the nation mm-hmm. yeah i agree um so uh, since you're running for senate what's uh what's your views on uh what we should be doing with uh, eastern europe
1: <laughs> so uh it, it's a great conversation right now and i always like to point out first and foremost we should always seek peaceful resolutions and as libertarians we really need to push that message uh, peace needs to be our priority but there are other things we have to look at our uh international community and work with them as far as that pursuing peace and so if we work with the international community for peaceful resolutions i think we can come up with some very solid solutions we also need to make sure that our president isn't making unilateral decisions in regards to war. Congress really needs to take its powers back. And that's a huge step in the right direction. If we can make sure that Congress every act of war goes through Congress, and I'm talking about every single time we um, have a bomb or whatever, because that's an act of war in itself, that needs to go through Congress. Yeah. And I, I do think there are times for war, um, unfortunately. But if we're going to do that, we have to have a clear reason why we're going in. We have to have a clear mission and we have, most importantly, have to have an exit strategy. And the exit strategy is because we don't want to spend another 20 years in a war. That's not how we do war. That's not fair to our veterans uh, coming home. That's why we have suicide rates as high as we do. And uh, soldiers coming back that have many health issues that we haven't taken care of. So we have a lot of things to work on, on the home front. And being over there 20 years in a war continually just doesn't work. So, um, again, pursue peace first. Sometimes war seems like a glacier in the ocean, but we don't have to be the Titanic. We can stare around it and look for those peaceful resolutions.
0: Yeah. It's a trip to me to see how, uh, how hard some people beat the the war drums all the time. I read an article the other day that said, uh, it was 30-plus percent of Republicans and 30-plus percent of Democrats agreed that we should get more involved with uh, the Ukraine with the Ukraine thing going on. And I was like, man, I, I don't think these people have read a history book, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, definitely well, don't I, think they understand how we got to here and, you know, what the possible ramifications of that kind of conflict could, could cause. So it's, it's really a trip how, how many people just want to go straight for, you know, we're badass, let's go bomb somebody.
1: Well, and it's interesting because the incumbent, Todd Young, um, he's from the Marines, and he's very, very pro-military. Like, day mm-hmm. one, he said we should send all our troops in. Very rash decisions. And this is not the leadership we need in the Senate. We need people no. to actually contemplate the consequences that of sending these soldiers. And how many 18-year-olds are signing up at high school, not realizing the, what's at stake here? Mm -hmm. So he's so eager on day one to send 18 year olds overseas and we need more wisdom and we need to seek out honest solutions before we just go full force. And I think it's time for a leadership change. I think that we are ready for peaceful resolutions in America. We've seen the results. We've seen veteran suicides. We've seen veterans that are homeless. We've seen them not get the mental health care that's promised to them. We've seen them not get the physical health care that's promised to them. So all this really needs to be a weighted decision. And Todd Young isn't the right answer for this. Even if there are some solutions that he's presenting that make sense, the way he does it and how fast and rash he does it is ridiculous. And it, it shows that he doesn't care about the soldiers' lives.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about homeless, you know, a lot, a lot of those homeless vets end up out here on the streets of Los Angeles. And, you know, it's just, you know, when people talk about it around the country, you know, it sounds bad, but really when you see it, it's worse. <laughs> you know, It's, it's really bad. It is. I mean, it, it looks like the, it looks like the cross between like the, I don't know, like the walking dead, you know, some places, you know, uh, or uh, escape from New York or something like that. It's, it's crazy. Some places. Uh So, yeah, we definitely need some rational people in the Senate. Uh, Is there there a Democrat running in the race, too? There is. Uh,
1: Technically, they're in primaries, although uh, McDormand actually – I'm not sure I said that correctly. Um, But the – We don't want to give him any uh, (laughs) (laughs)
0: money.
1: He kicked off, actually, everybody else in the primaries. And Todd Young did the same thing. So they're both running on a post. Uh, which is interesting because I think that shows that they don't even want to represent people. If they went out of their way to kick everybody else off the ballot for their primaries, that shows zero representation of what voters want. And um, yeah, it's, it's the Democrats. The last time they had a file only came in with 50,000. So they're not even looking at running a serious race. And uh, the Republicans came in with 6 million. So you know, as libertarians, I'm trying to out fundraise the Democrats. We're going to see if we can actually do that. It's going to be hard work and it's going to be a lot of word of mouth. It's going to be fundraising by the people, but that's who I represent is the people. So I'm really hoping to be able to outraise at least the Democrats and put up a serious um, fight against Todd Young, because I think this election we can actually win as libertarians and there's a strategic way to do it.
0: Yeah. You know that, you know, for, uh, you know, at least since the second Gary Johnson uh, campaign, people have been saying, you know, in, in the seventy percentage numbers that they want more choices and they want something different. They just got to have the courage to actually vote for it uh, when it when it's before them. And you know, we got to make sure we get people like you out there so people see your name and understand, you know, what libertarians are. Because man, you know, I don't know if it's like that still is bad over there, but people have the weirdest points of view about libertarians oh you're corporate you want this and that and i was like you know nothing but straw man arguments i guess is telling us what we want and things like that it's and they crazy. do
1: there's a lot of uh, uphill battles that we have to fight because somehow we got branded a little bit off and that's another thing i talk about is really how we're messaging to the average voter so it's easy to talk to other libertarians about a lot of these details and weeds and get really into the uh, yeah, just points that are actually not really relevant to the average voter. So mm-hmm. I really talk about messaging and branding to the average Hoosier voter and talking about those tabletop issues that matter to them. And that's how we're going to win them over to libertarianism. And then we can start talking about a little bit more of the finer points. But I think, you know, we really do need to work on our messaging so that <laughs> we don't have to have the same argument of roads for Oh, well, you don't want <laughs> roads. So we need to get past those arguments.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know doing the podcast, I get, I catch so much hell out here about, you know, the roads and, you know, you know, I love when they say, you know, well, what about healthcare? And I was like, well, you know, I, I want people to have healthcare too. I just disagree with your choice for it. Cause you know, they load that the left tends to load their uh, terminology. Like if you say you're not for Medicare for all, then that means you want people to die. And you know they just they misrepresent a lot of things to get their arguments with their appeals to emotion and that kind of stuff. So it just man, drives me crazy.
1: Yep, they know how to use that emotional appeal appeal to twist people um, into thinking that we present our message a certain way when in actuality that's not what we're saying. They're just using an emotional f- fear argument where we need to be positive and show them libertarian solutions. And I think that's something as libertarians, we don't do enough is we often show the problems, but we don't often show the solutions with uh, the problems. So that's another thing that I'm really working on as a campaign is to be a solution-oriented campaign. And whenever, whenever I have an issue with something, I'm always gonna present a solution along with it. And that's really important because that takes away some of those arguments of, well, What about this? Well, we have a solution for that. It's this. And I talk a lot about incremental change. Uh, I'm a behavior therapist. So we do a lot of social behaviors. We do, uh, just working with kids that have autism. So a lot of it is an incremental approach. And that's what I wanted to show Hoosiers is that we can take a lot of these freedoms and incremental strategy, and it's not immediately getting rid of, um, what you think it is. It's, giving you back the freedoms that you already deserve and have are, already are in the constitution right we're talking about yeah. constitutional carry so it's giving you back those freedoms and i think once they see that incremental approach they'll be more on board for some of the uh more difficult conversations
0: yeah yeah abs- absolutely um so like what about uh inflation what what, do what do you, you want to talk about that what do you talk to people who've loved all these handouts that the government's been handing out. Yep. So
1: <laughs> inflation is a fun one because, uh, it's very relevant. People are seeing it on their dinner tables. You know, every meal is going to cost you more now, whether you're eating at a restaurant, whether you're eating at home and it's easy to show them that inflation is happening in real time. Now what's not as easy is to show them why it's happening. And that. Back- It goes back to the trump and uh specifically todd young spending budgets so when we're doing that much deficit spending and that much wasteful spending and then we're just printing money that's what's attributing inflation so yes we can say biden's doing the exact same thing i can attack biden on it but it's also a todd young problem and it's been a todd young problem and hoosiers will know that by the end of this election because we're going to point it out and i get in Indiana, I get the opportunity to be on the debate stage with those two. And this oh, is something, God. again, that he pretends to run on. But when I'm on that debate stage, he is going to have to answer for his spending record. So I think inflation is going to be one of those winning topics in Indiana. And I do think we can win this Senate race. Yeah, that's great. When, when is the debate? I don't have the exact date yet. Uh, I believe one is in October... Uh, I believe there's two, but I'll have to double check on the exact dates.
0: Uh, that's, that's great. Um, damn it. There's so much, so many things like with the, with the inflation, you know, it's, it's funny to hear the different excuses that people are saying now, oh, it's Russia or it's greedy corporations and I, this and that, but Tadyan they don't
1: wanna... like to point out the, uh, supply chain
0: issues and yeah, he'll point to everything by himself. <laughs> <laughs> it kills me all the things that they say and you know when libertarians have been saying if you keep this up this is exactly what's going to happen and it's like i'm wondering when people are finally going to come around and listen to the people who've been telling them what they were heading towards that iceberg uh, exactly. i'm wondering when people are actually going to listen to the people who, who saw it coming and uh really want to actually steer away from it instead of just pretend you know talking about it or pretending to steer away from it or whatever garbage they, they like to spew out. Or just blame the other side.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, easiest I love thing that. to do. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. So are, are there any uh, members of Congress you're, you would be looking forward to working with? I just look forward to
1: working on solutions and specific members. I think there's different ones that I could work on different issues with. But as far as, you know, I, I haven't really thought of, anyone that i specifically am excited to go to and say hey let's do this with uh this policy but i think the vet care one specifically is something that i can work with both democrats and republicans on i think Mm -hmm. that we can actually get both sides on that and i think that's something that we can actually get past as a libertarian going in with this idea because it's a winning it's a winning strategy for everybody it's something that we can say we did better for our veterans and whether you're a democrat whether you're a republican we can all agree that this is something that's a huge issue
0: yeah um what about uh, criminal justice reform what am i because i i have this uh, progressive friend back there in indianapolis and she 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 hates my politics and <laughs> she she's convinced that libertarians are racist and this and that and we don't care I said it's, well. We don't really like identity politics. Suck, you know, when you put one group above another. So I want to make sure we touch on what would you do to help uh, uh, the fix the criminal justice system that's so so damn broken.
1: Yeah, so they, I mean, there's different levels of how broken it is, and specifically running for the Senate race, I have to focus on the federal ideas of that. Um, one of them is to deschedule cannabis. I think that putting all these victimless um, individuals in jail and wasting our money housing them is absolutely ridiculous. So uh, decriminalizing cannabis, but taking it off the schedule. And in addition to that, I want to work on the idea of uh, asset forfeiture, because that's an important issue it's right now. A lot of States are actually not really even doing it. What they do is they partner with a federal agency and the federal agency comes in with them and they go and they, uh, go grab your assets. And then because the federal did it, now your local, um, law enforcement actually gets a kickback from that because it's not self interest. Mm -hmm. So I want to really work on, on the federal level. Um, Getting rid of asset forfeiture, it's wrong. It's actually theft by the government. And I think that's a huge criminal justice reform policy that we really need on the federal level. So that's one of my um, largest focuses in that area.
0: Yeah, we we, we got the weed thing done here. Uh, unfortunately, they just tended to kind of give it to the corporations and still pick winners and losers. Now, you can still get arrested for growing it out here and selling it if you don't get permission from the government or pay the right person and this and that, Um, they're actually trying to get mushrooms legalized here too. So we're, that's one thing we're doing pretty good on over here, at least, you know, not trying not to throw people in prison for things like those uh, nonviolent offenses.
1: We definitely have a long way to go in Indiana. Um, And I think on the federal level, there's a lot of things to fix too that can make it easier for states like Indiana that are, are, being difficult for so Holcomb's excuses. Well, it's still illegally federal. It's still illegal on the federal level. I'm not going to do anything with it until the federal level does. Well, if I take away that excuse, Indiana then doesn't have that excuse. They may find something else, but it's the idea that we can still make huge change on the federal level. Yeah. And then yeah. another part of that is just making sure banks can even, um, we can take a, a criminal aspect away of that by allowing banks to um, transfer all the money from uh, with the cannabis industry to make it a safer industry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, that, that, those are definitely big things, you know, to, to so people can put their money in a bank or, you know, do those kind of things and just so people aren't getting thrown in jail for doing what somebody else is able to do, you exactly. know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, it just, you know, especially after the last couple of years, they've wrecked the economy and stuff. I mean, I don't see what's wrong with people making a little bit of money, you know, uh, growing a little weed on their, on their property or whatever, you know, exactly.
1: so it shouldn't be an issue. I, I wish we didn't have to have this conversation, but some of the states are really slow on it. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think I heard I read Idaho recently tried to put some, or did put something in their constitution that they want to keep it illegal there forever. Uh, interesting so yeah
1: as a state decided that they never want to have uh, yeah i
0: was like oh you know i, I, don't, <laughs> I don't understand that but you know uh <clears throat> I, I like that idea of nullification you know uh how states can do it obviously uh, holcomb doesn't understand that you know that if a state just fights back against it you know and says you know we're not convicting people for this uh you can't convict somebody with a jury of their peers who say it can't be you know, you shouldn't be prosecuted for this. You know, that, that's, that's kind of at the heart of nullification If people understand it.
1: Well, and even within Indiana, Marion County said we won't prosecute under a certain amount. So there is some of that pushback even in Indiana, but I is think that around that's around Indianapolis, Marion County, Marion County is in Indianapolis. Okay. So, um, it covered, yeah, the County pretty much is the city. Uh-huh. So, I, I believe at this point they're the only county that's done that. But I, I do feel like we're going to get more of that pushback if Holcomb doesn't go because there's even a survey: eight out of ten Hoosiers don't have an issue with cannabis. Not necessarily like they're for it, but they don't have an issue with it being legalized.
0: Right. Hmm. So what? Uh, where? Where can? Where can people? Uh, oh, well, I guess I forgot this. What part of Indiana are you from?
1: So I'm originally from Elkhart, uh, that's oh, okay. northern Indiana, but I currently reside in Johnson County, which is just south of Indianapolis in Greenwood. All right,
0: yeah, Elkhart, that's, a, that's just north of uh, Tippecanoe County a bit, right? Like, that's, that's kind of yep. close to the Michigan border,
1: right? It's very close to the Michigan border, and it's RV country up there, um, not too far from South Bend. So I got to go to a lot of Notre Dame games growing up. Um, great, Great area up there, definitely. That's cool.
0: All right. So um, you want to tell everybody where they can uh, donate, where they can find out more information, uh, any upcoming speaking events or anything like that you got going on?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So where you can find more information is www.ceniac4senate.com. I'll spell it out. S-C-E-N-I-A-K-F-O-R-S-E-N-A-T-E.com. And you'll find my platform there and you'll find ways you can volunteer. And also most importantly, donate because like we talked a little bit um earlier, a lot of this branding and messaging does take money. And to do that, it's gonna be money from the people because that's who I represent. I'm not gonna get corrupt money. I'm gonna get money from the people who I represent. So that's an important part of it. Uh, as far as events, I do have a cannabis event coming up in April that we just announced. Um I just did a gun show in Fort Wayne. That was a really fun event. We passed out many flyers and I had a, a really good story there. So we're working on getting some more up and running. Uh, the last two weekends have been very busy. So I think we've uh, starting to look at exactly what events we're going to hit in the upcoming month. I believe there's a couple gay pride festivals that we're going to do one in Johnson County. I believe that's at the beginning of June. And then one in Fort Wayne, which I can't quite remember the exact date. And then, sorry, my mind's going everywhere. Um, and then <laughs> I just announced that we're going to do a tax day event. So
0: the, that will be in Tippecanoe. So, Okay, so tax day thing in Tippecanoe. That'll be great because, yep, like I said, that's where I'm from. We've got some people over there. Maybe we can get some people out there to it. so I'm yeah, not- that'd be no. awesome. Yeah. I'm interested. You said you got the, uh, the cannabis thing. What, what, what's, what's, uh, what's up with the cannabis thing in Indiana? I'm, I'm curious about that.
1: So, uh, are you familiar with normal? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So normals, um, it's basically their event, but they're having me as a speaker oh, and they're nice. just going to ask me questions about my cannabis uh, policies. I believe that's scheduled. Uh, I know it's early April and I'm not going to get the exact date cause we just put it on the calendar. But uh, it's a Zoom event, so anybody on Zoom can find it. But it'll be a good event just to talk about cannabis and get that, that conversation going. Uh, my platform, I focus a lot on the other three. So I had people come up to me and go, Well, where do you stand on cannabis? And I said, As libertarians, I felt like it was pretty clear that we're for, for cannabis. Uh, so I wanted to focus on some of the tabletop issues of Hoosiers. But each one of those issues actually ties back into cannabis if you look at them. So mm-hmm. cannabis effect affects fiscal sanity. We can make money off of it. Um, it affects the medical freedom. People should have that right to cannabis. If that's the medication, the way they want to medicate. Mm-hmm. And then also for veterans, I've heard it helped many veterans uh, through many issues. So all my platforms can align with cannabis, uh, but just throwing out cannabis as one issue wasn't my sh- strategy going into convention. And it's not going to be my strategy as far as going into November. It is an important platform and it's something we need to talk about and change that conversation. But yeah. I think I have a, a specific strategy on it. So I'm, I'm excited to present that to Hoosiers.
0: That's great. That's great. So uh, how about social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook,
1: Yep. Our Facebook's the most active currently. Uh, I just got a social media director hooked in. So he's going to be changing all that. We do have a Twitter. It's um, starting to get more active. And I believe we just got our Instagram going. Um, all those are Seniac for Senate. Twitter uses the number four because I had to shorten it. But yeah, you can find it at Seniac for Senate on any, on those three platforms, there will be more platforms announced and, Um, I definitely check out the Facebook one for sure.
0: All right. Well, I, uh, anything else you want to hit up before we uh, sign off here? No, I just want, um, you
1: know, if you're in Indiana and you're listening to this, please consider a fresh modern approach to Washington's still invasive and wasteful agenda. We need to have more voices in Washington and we need to have more reason in Washington. So help me get the word out. It's going to be a word of mouth campaign, but we can do that. Uh, There's, many movements that have started out through word of mouth and have grown and we can win this Senate race. So I'm really excited. And I look forward to working with you guys in Indiana. And I thank you guys for your time listening in today.
0: Yeah. You know, you got to ride that wave of, uh, you know, uh, the rainwater, you know, he got 33% or second second place in a lot of the, like a third of the state or something like that. Yeah, so, so, you know, many counties absolutely, you got the momentum. second place. <laughs> yeah, you got and, the momentum.
1: And I'm already using that momentum, which is awesome. Uh I talk about writing his coat tales. Um but I've already had the largest political radio station in Central Indiana have me on air. So, exactly. we are working on building that momentum. Um even newspapers are more willing to print my articles. I sent a press release up to Goshen, uh my old hometown for a meet and greet that i did they put me in their paper with a picture so the media is watching us more and that will help us to build that momentum well keep up the
0: good work man i'm glad to hear it
1: thank you and thank you for having me on the show i really appreciate it absolutely
0: yeah And you know anytime you feel free to come back You, you know it gets closer to the race hit me up we'll get you back on here awesome sounds good all right